0: You're listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hull United Methodist Church. Be sure to visit us at HopeHullUMC.org slash sermons, where you can subscribe to future episodes of SermonCast and browse our archive of past messages. Thanks for tuning in. How many people like to eat? I think uh, growing up Baptist is kind of funny, everything associated uh, church we always had something to eat. It was like Sunday afternoon, church, lunch, or Wednesday night church, dinner. Or it was always something to eat. Um, and if you think about it, a lot of things that are uh, significant moments are associated with meals. You have a wedding, you have a reception with a meal, or a funeral with a family meal afterwards. Or um, Think about your first date, first time you got asked on a date, it's usually going out to dinner. As the relationship got more serious, you went to dinner with your uh, the parents' family are, and everything kind of focuses around a meal. Um, have you ever been to a family reunion where you didn't eat? So anything that normally has something to do with family and, and meeting together, it seems like it's always focused around a meal. Same way with the Passover, it was all about a meal. And we'll talk about some of the, uh, the history beside it in a minute. But um, it seems like we're always born, or we were born with this intuition to, to eat in fellowship as a community, um, both as a human need to, to eat um, and be around other people. I don't know if during this time of uh, the pandemic and everybody shut down for COVID, COVID, if you've been like longing to be around other people and be around and uh, out in public uh, to, to celebrate. Before we go through the verses, I mentioned we talk about the Passover, uh, sometimes called the Seder meal. Uh, it's been celebrated by Jewish people for 3000 years. You kind of think about Thanksgiving and, and what Thanksgiving was or is to the American people and and how people will gather around and kind of commemorate, you know, the whole Thanksgiving atmosphere. The meaning behind Passover is the celebration of Exodus and a celebration of the Jewish people leaving um, out of Egypt. So when I was youth director one, before, when Steve was here, we had the opportunity of going through a Seder meal with Steve and and how that all all the different meanings of all the different items. And and it was not just a, hey, let's sit down and say a blessing and eat a meal. It was a history lesson of all the things that it meant to go through and meant to work through. <clears throat> and they reflected on those times and the family focused on all that. Um, and the freedom and the movement from being slaves and captives in Egypt and God's miraculous miracles that brought them out of Egypt um, into freedom. With that, freedom doesn't come without Uh, sacrifice, discipline, service, and having that purpose. And the Jews' purpose of God bringing them out of Egypt was for them to be the light of the world. So when they talk about sitting down and having this Passover meal, it's not just like a Thanksgiving like we have. It's something for the whole history they've been studying, the story over and over of having times and being uh, released from slavery into freedom to be God's light. So when they talk about eating this meal and celebrating it together. They're looking at, hey, what do we do to keep our tradition and our passage? Um, And as we go through this, I want to show you how God kind of turns that around. Jesus turns that around into a new tradition. So the bottom line this morning is Jesus offers broken bread for broken people. So God's saying, hey, this is the tradition, but God's going, I'm changing that. We know we're a broken people. We know we've all sinned, all fallen short, and things have changed. But I'm giving you a new broken bread, a new picture to what this really means. So let's go back to the scriptures um, and start kind of looking through what Jesus is saying and what Mark's telling us about the events of the day, and look how that has affected this Passover meal. So first part of our, uh, verse 14 or excuse me, chapter 14. He's talking about you know setting the stage of this Passover meal. It's kind of a seven, eight-day long celebration. So they're going, hey, we don't want to do it during this time period because the people may write. So we're going, hey, we're just looking for an opportunity. Um, Then he leads in with a story on uh, verse uh, verse 3 where he's talking about, you know, Jesus is hanging out because during this time, sometimes the Jewish folks didn't work. Uh, So depending on what kind of Jewish... Sec they were, they wouldn't work or they would be completely shut down for the celebration. So they were reclining, having dinner and talking and a lady comes in without told her name, with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume. So she breaks this jar. So she didn't just pour it, she actually it says she broke the jar and anointed Jesus with it. So a couple of different things is, to me is kind of Mark's foreshadow and the breaking of the bread and Jesus being broken for us. Um, and then showing that she's breaking this jar and and giving everything that she has um, for Jesus. The other part of that is everybody's talking about um, why this waste of perfume in verse uh, 4, it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and them rebuking her. Can you see the conversation between her and her husband um, and going, hey, I got this jar here, I'm going to go break it and pour it on Jesus. And he's going, why are you going to take a a years of wages and just give it to Jesus? You know what? Why? So you think about them saying the same thing, and the conversation with her and her husband, or you know the the situation of, man, you can do so much more with that. But then at the same time, it's like you know she's giving up something and doing something um, for Jesus that that gets her name in the Bible for or her story in the Bible for the rest of eternity. So with that being said, she gives up a whole lot for Jesus. So they're saying that, and then they say, or Jesus says, the poor you will always have with you, but I will not. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So she's doing something, going out of her way, doing God's will. We're told several times and that Jesus is predicting his death. Jesus is telling everyone what's going on. And then at the end of that, we're told by Mark that Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the priest and betrayed him. So you can imagine at that time, Judas is kind of like, man, Jesus is overstepping his bounds. He's kind of thinks he's all that. He's kind of stepping out. Uh, I've had enough of this. I've seen enough of this. So he's going and and making the deal, knowing Jesus knows full and well everything that's happening, all the stuff that's going on. So kind of leading up to that, we know that the God's plan is coming together for Jesus. And then what we know is the Last Supper starts unfolding in verse 12. On the first day of the festival of bread, when it is customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, uh, one of the things I think Mark points this out is it's pretty um, interesting. He points out the Passover lamb. We all know and have heard that Jesus is the lamb. For us, he's a so Mark's portraying that Jesus has taken this lamb's place, Jesus is becoming that sacrifice. Um, we're told more and more, and as the story progresses, how many different variations that takes, and how God is portraying Jesus is talking over and over about the different sides of what and who Jesus is and what he's meant for. One of the things I think we miss, and I think a lot of people miss a lot of times, is verse 13 through 16. He's talking about the preparation. So when he says, Since the two disciples said, so Go in the city, and, and you'll find the man carrying a jar. At first it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. But then if you think about the, what the meal is and what has been prepared, it's not like they just went to the store and got chicken soup and a couple of different things. It's a whole preparation. And for them to say, There you will find... He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready, make pre- preparations for us there. So it wasn't just a simple Thanksgiving meal where everybody brought a little dish and you had meal. This was a full prepared, you had to go through a whole bunch of steps to have this whole meal celebration together. And all of that was done. Jesus is showing that, hey, look, all of this has been done for us. All of this, I'm telling you, um, just like it's going to be, just like I'm predicting my death, just like everything is going on, um, it's going to be there and ready. And he says that in verse 16, disciples left and went to the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared for the Passover. Then we get kind of the, the change back. In verse 17, Jesus predicts his betrayal. He's saying again, hey, I'm telling you this is going to happen again. Um, he's saying that, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. The one is eaten with me. Of course, you think about all his friends hanging around and everybody were like, hey, I, it's not me. I don't want to be that guy. Um, I can't imagine Judas' feelings as he's sitting there going, he knows what I've done. He knows what's happening. He knows what's done, being done. And he says, but woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man, it would be better for him if he had not been born. So these things had to happen for Jesus' um, mission to come true, but I can't imagine how Judas feels in that situation and and being called out. And then in verse 22 is where Jesus starts creating the new story. So these guys have been enjoying the the Passover meal, their lives, and and know all the history and and all the stuff that goes with it and all the the celebration and and knowing the movement from Egypt to to freedom and, and becoming God's chosen people. But Jesus starts a new tradition. In verse 22 he says, while they were eating and took the bread, when he had given the thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, this is my body. He's saying, this is broken bread because I know you're broken people. Without your love, without God's love and God's affection and, and wanting to reconcile us, we, ha- we don't have that opportunity. God, Jesus is saying, I'm taking that place. I'm taking that punishment for you. I'm going to the cross for you and starting a new tradition. Mark is short on the details, and in Luke it says, do this in remembrance of me um, as often as you'd like. But he, Jesus institutes this mysterious gift of bread and wine to give us the freedom and show us the freedom and the opportunity that uh, God has available for us. One of the things that I got to do a couple years ago um, was do attend a walk to Emmaus. And Growing up Baptist, I've always been, um, enjoyed the uh, Lord's Supper and being part of the community and and all, But I never really understood how all this fit together until going to attending a walk to Emmaus. They teach you kind of the, the side of it and what the meaning of it is. And basically what we're talking about this morning is this mysterious gift of blood and wine and how Jesus created this tradition as a gift to us, as a way that we can, can, can accept and say, hey, I know I'm broken. Hey, I know I need this. Hey, I know that, you know, there's no way that you can do it yourself, that you're taking that step to go, God, I know it. I'm accepting your gifts and and appreciate and understand the, the meanings behind it. Maybe your year of 2020 so far has been that way. Maybe, you know, when everything kind of shut down in March and church kind of shut down and the fellowship uh, with everybody being around and it's kind of slowed down, um, maybe that kind of knocked you off kilter and, and kind of you missed that opportunity for a uh, communion and, and fellowship with others. So think about that and think about how Jesus gave us that gift. Jesus created this new tradition for us to participate in. So it's not just a one-sided me standing up here preaching and, and telling you something. It's a two-sided you accepting God's gift and going, I accept it and thank you. Um, he freely gave of himself and he says he freely went to the, the cross to die for all of us. The, and the body and the blood that was broken and shed that day is His um, gift to us and and way that He predicted uh, showing us that love. We're at an advantage here because we know the whole story. So the disciples at that time, when He's given this, um, this example in this Last Supper at the Passover meal, they don't know what's coming. We know the whole story. They're just like, okay, He said He's going to die. And be risen from the dead. Okay, and this is his body. This is his blood. They don't know how he's going to die. They don't know the whole the whole picture. We have that advantage. So the, you think about all the things that he's told them over time about the room, about the betrayal, um, and then also about Peter's denial. He gave them that reminder at that time, and they didn't even know how significant it was at that point in time. Today, we know the whole story and had that opportunity to look back. He. Gave it for our forgiveness. He knew that we're going to mess up. He knows that we're all broken and we all need Jesus. He gave that as a reminder over and over and over to do often to remember him and remember that sacrifice. The biggest part was for our freedom. Our freedom to give up the things that hold us back. All of us have a purpose. All of us have something that we're born to do. Freedom is not without discipline, service, and a purpose to do to help others. All of us have something that we're born to do and born to God and give to others. Jesus, in this whole ministry, all the disciples are like, hey, let's be let's be somebody. Hey, we hang out with Jesus. Hey, I want to be at your right hand. I want to be at your left hand. I want to be in this big community. And Jesus is going, I'm not coming to be served. I'm coming to serve. Jesus said the first will be the last and last will be first. He was giving them the whole time that he was spending time with them that, hey, I'm here to serve, I'm here to be um, a gift and a broken body to give back to God, to give to others, to be that transient between reconciliation between God and the people. And then the final thing I think is interesting to me is in verse 27, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. All of this, talk about all this um, slavery and movement to freedom, and hey, you... You have this opportunity, and I'm giving you um, an opportunity to to reconcile with God. In verse 27, Jesus is predicting Peter's denial and saying, hey, look, this is going to happen. God's going to, all the things are going to come true. I'm going to be given over to um, be betrayed and given over to uh, be put to death on a cross. All this is coming true, and when all this happens, I will, it said, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And Peter's like, you know what? Whatever happens, I'm there for you. And he says, truly I tell you, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself would disown me three times. So you think about Peter that has seen all the miracles. Peter has seen all the predictions, seen all the stuff that's gone through, walked down the street with him when people were healed, and he's going, man, you know, I won't ever deny you. There's no way I can deny you. And Jesus is saying, even you, Peter, will deny me. How many times do we deny Jesus on a daily basis and not even realize it? People know us as Christians or people know that um, we go to a certain church or believe in certain things and the actions and things we do at ball games or um, on different trips and, you know, the things you think about or don't know about and people see that as a denial of Christ. Or when things get hard, 2020 happens and um, everything's scattered in different directions and you go, man, I, I can't believe the things and, and try to struggle with letting God have those things. So hopefully everybody came in um, and got the communion pack and we'll kind of talk about that and go over uh, some of those. As we work through the, the verses and, and all the, the storyline behind that, I hope you kept in mind what this gift get means, what the gift truly means, and what Jesus was meaning when he had that meal with the disciples and just kind of broke out what the true um, bread of life is. Maybe you missed sharing communion with the church. Maybe during this COVID time, um, you know, you had not had the opportunities being homebound or, or being stuck to um, share and being online and having opportunities to, to share that moment. I um, will encourage you to join the community. There's a lot of opportunities, a lot of different places and, and ways to uh, plug in here at the church and, and be a part of that community. Maybe this is the first time you've taken communion and, and looked at it that light, looked at it as through the lens of this is a, a gift that God has blessed us with, an opportunity that um, he's given us to share and, and be a part of that. Maybe it's like that jar of alabaster um, expensive perfume where you've had you know, there's something that has been your security. There's something that, that you hold on that defines you. Um, and Jesus is tugging at your heart going, hey, that's not why that's there. Give up whatever that is to define you. Let Jesus define you. Let him be the one that is that that obstacle standing in your way. Um, take that obstacle out of the way and let Jesus be the light there. Maybe you're longing for a freedom from something or you have uh, something in your life that you feel like you're not worthy enough to accept God's forgiveness, um, or God won't, or feel like God won't forgive you. Maybe you're struggling with feeling like you're good enough for God, um, you know, and you feel like you're just down and out and depressed, and and feel like God could never forgive you for the things you've done. I want to encourage you this morning that and know that God is big enough for any problem you have. God is the is the broken bread that gave Himself on the cross for a broken people. Thankfully, He is that is offering that broken bread to all of us. Um, No matter how broken, no matter what the struggle is, God's there for us. As we're getting the communion package together and the uh, folks coming to to do music as well, I want you to think about that. Think about the new lens um, of this Seder meal and and God changing this tradition of how, what what He's wanting you to see in that broken bread and broken peace and just reflect and pray on that God has given us this gift to guide us and direct us in the things that we do and we take advantage of and just uh, reflect and pray a second. You've been listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hole United Methodist Church. If you enjoyed this message, consider sharing it with a few friends. Remember to visit us at hopeholeumcorg slash sermons and subscribe to get notified when new content is posted. Thanks for listening.